Hemshechayim Beis, Volume One, from the beginning of Member Twenty Nine, Pod Nafshi of Shabbos Pashavayish of Chov Kislev, One Hundred Years Ago, Tafreshayim Gimel. I also would suggest everybody should look at the Tera Shalom, the Sichus of Yutas Kislev, Tafreshayim Gimel. Pretty heavy stuff. One Hundred Years Ago, the Rebbe, you know, this was said on Shabbos, and that's if I bring in my Tzayi Shabbos, the Rebbe Rashab had. Speaks about the Alter Rebbe, pretty unbelievable uh, stuff there. It talks Eris and Kalim, what a Rebbe is, in words of Eris and Kalim. And Er Atzmi, in Akeli Atzmi, that's the words he uses. So I think it's connected to some of the ideas here. But anyway, we began the discourse, Padre Shalom, beginning of the chapter Kufiyu uh, Gimel, 113, page Reshut Ches, so I'll begin from the Kofiud Gimel, even though we began the chapter, but it's worthwhile reading again. There you go. Everything's got hints. Um, but let me sum up where we are, and then we'll continue. Summary is that we're in a longer discussion, which is, like I said, pretty rare for Ayim Bayes, because Ayim Bayes was written, as we know, one long flow of ideas. And then the Rebbe Rashab added the beginnings and ends, as he delivered it, the connections to the to the weekly Pasha or whatever the discourse or the yomtiv, so on. So like Padre Shalom was added later, and the end of the Maimer. But as an exception, the chapter of Ayetze, the cha- the Pasha, this episode of Yaakov and Lovin, with the placing of the stone, a stone as a uh, monument or pillar, or what what Lovin did, the stone as a as a mound, becomes a central theme in the last. Uh, says how many chapters from from the end of Maimer Vayetze, basically from Kuv Zayin. So already in Kuf Yud Gimel, there's still a few more chapters to go. So it's a good ten chapters, close to ten chapters, just explaining Yaakov and Lovan in the Pasha. But he's explaining the idea that he's in the middle of, which is, it's a subplot in the subplot in a subplot. You know, there's a lot of subplots going on here. The, the main subplot is uh, the three meanings in Spheris. So it was Mitzper, number, and then... Uh, Sipur, the narrative, and then he began the discussion of from the word Evan Sapir, which, as I said, it may not be a sapphire stone. It's more of a brilliant, luminous, uh, transparent white stone. Maybe there is a sapphire, depends what level. We talked about that, the red stone, the white stone. But regardless, it's transparent. And it's reflecting the idea of Sphiris as being transparent channels. This is actually the theme of the Sikh of Yutas Kislev 100 years ago. He speaks about the Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, like that. Then he's a Er Atzmi, but not just an Er Atzmi. He's an Er Atzmi that went into Kalim. He speaks about how Er Atzmi manifests in the Kalim. It's unbelievable words. If you read that, it's like he spoke about the Alter Rebbe, um, about that, about the Alter Rebbe, on all levels that he was both at the level of being Er Atzmi and a Shama Klolis, and also he speaks about his wisdom as a, in the world, worldly wisdom. So it's worthwhile seeing. It's a good problem to read Teirah Shalom. If you want to bring and just read that. <coughs> so what's the point here? The point... The, uh, yeah, Tere Shalom is informal. Uh, the Rebbe Rashab speaking of the record, basically. It's a Hebrew. It's a mix. It's a mix. Yeah. Anyway, so bottom line... I recommend it all the time. It's, it's, it, it, you can change your whole perspective on everything. Because it's informal. The Rebbe speaking, the Rebbe Rashab speaking of the record, these ideas. He speaks things that he doesn't say in a mimer. I'll give you that. 
additional touch. So anyway, so let me just explain. What is Eris and Kale? Let's speak a little simple English here, because from time to time we've got to ground it. You know, you have to explain Eris Vikalem to a simple person, to each of us. What is Eris Vikalem? Did he finish the third narrative about Sipur? Uh, no, he's going to go back. No, 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 he's going to go back to it. Yeah, 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 there's plenty more. No. Anyway, so the point of Eris and Kalim, among all the other things that say the Shtashos, Eris and Kalim is really the Kabbalistic terminology and cannot be confused with what we consider to be bottles and water or something, or other types of containers and, uh, and liquids. Eris and Kalim are simply an expression of Chassidus that's referring to, and Kabbalah, that refers to what is called the modern lingo form and function, or body and soul, or quantity or quality, or inner and outer. So it's really a way of describing anything that exists. You can always determine and define it in terms of Aaron Kaley. And I'll just give a few examples. The pages, the, the words on a page is the Kalim. The idea they convey is the Air. I speak words is the Kalim. The, the idea behind that is the air. You embrace somebody is a keli. The love behind it is an air. I challenge anyone to show me something that doesn't have an air and a keli. Everything in existence has an air and a keli. So the first way to dissect anything, any situation, is is, is it the kalim that we're dealing with or the air? An example. Two people are not getting along with each other. Is it the kalim, their way of expressing, or they fundamentally have differences? Sometimes it's just maybe just different cultures. Maybe you mean one thing, I mean another, and we're not really disagreeing. Sometimes we are disagreeing on a fundamental level. So there's a big difference between Aaron and Kelly. And, and because we are, we are we're very one-dimensional, very narrow-minded, frankly, and not trained to think properly and look at a problem properly, we just look at a problem and say, oh, it's a problem. It's not a problem. It depends where the problem is. If you go to a doctor and you say, I have a pain right here in my finger, God forbid. The pain could be on the skin problem. The pain could be a nerve problem. Pain could be on a much deeper level, maybe a reflection of a far deeper problem. How do you know? So just because something is a painful or something is not working doesn't mean it's on all levels. It could be a purely container level, it can be an air level. When you talk on a psychological level, someone has, let's say, anxiety. Is anxiety on a kalim level, on an air level, or where the air meets the keli? And remember, in air is in kalim itself, there are many levels, which I'm not even getting into. This primis hakelim, chusein hakelim, emtsoy hakeli, the middle outer and inner levels of a keli. The same thing goes here. But I don't want to get too, too confusing. The first basic principle is that everything has an air and keli and every issue in life, you can look at it that way. Now in the broader sense of the word, when you speak on the, in the cosmic order, God's relationship with existence, that's where it all began. Because God created, first everything began as energy and then energy manifests in matter. See, we work the other way around. How do you know you're hungry? Because your body tells you I'm hungry. But that's your body's reminding you that you need some sustenance. You look at a piece of food, the container of the food is bread, water, uh, fruit. The energy of the fruit is what it turns into when you digest it and turns into your blood. And one fruit, food will give you other energy, different vitamins and minerals than another food. No one sees that. We only know it. Today we know that an orange has these and these. So everything has an outer and inner. And obviously the ultimate goal in life is to have them aligned. If your outer and inner were aligned, you have no problems. Okay? Now, what, what is, for example, you look at a newborn healthy child, everything's working perfectly. They breathe perfectly. You can see the chest heaving up and down. The air in Kelly is perfect. The air goes in, the lungs completely absorb it, breathe it out. Look how we breathe. 
How often do you take a deep breath in? You do, it usually causes you to cough because we have toxins inside us. Our blood doesn't flow as smoothly. Everything about us, our eyesight, as the kalim, as we age, our kalim wear down. As they wear down, the energy doesn't flow the same way. You know? Now, before Chetet Tzadas, the reason that it says that if they hadn't eaten from the tree, they would live forever, was not a miracle. That was the way it was not. Death is an aberration. Not long. Why would a soul that has infinite amount of life power ever have to leave a body? Imagine putting a liquid in a, in a, in a cup. Except for evaporation, why should it ever have to leave the cup? The answer is if the cup gets punctured. If it's punctured, okay, then the water will leak out. The body, by Chetit Sadas, got punctured. Psychologically, spiritually speaking. So now the body is no longer aligned with God. So after a while, the soul will seep out, so to speak. But the body will think of it as an appliance that will break down. And this neshama can no longer stay there. Not because the neshama got weaker. As a matter of fact, the neshama gets stronger as it goes. Because it's, the neshama is driven by spiritual energy. The point I'm making here is that in every, in every possible way, the idea of Eris and Kalim can be spoken about in health, in physics, in science, even in, in literature, in communication, in relationships. There's no area in life, education. It's all about Eris and Kalim. Now, Eris and Kalim obviously brought term. Then there's a difference between what about Eris and Kalim in Chesed. That's already speaking about how your love has an air and a keli. Some people are very, very loving people. They just don't know how to communicate it. I've seen this. I've helped some couples where one person is very loving, but he just was never trained how to say it. Doesn't know how to say thank you. Doesn't remember. And the feelings are all there. Wasn't that? And then sometimes you have people who are very cordial and say everything right, but they don't have the feelings. So you can have an air without a keli. You have a keli without an air. Or you can have a keli that's immature. It's not developed enough. Which is what happens when we say and a person grows into an adult. Why can't children have relationships? Why don't children get married? Because they don't have yet the kalim for the eris of intimacy, basically. That's really what it comes down to. So everything is, can be defined in terms of maturity and, and so on. And then you go to each one. Then there's the eris and keli of chachma, there's the eris and keli of bina, there's the eris and keli of das, eris and keli of chesed, gvura, teferis. This is when it gets, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm talking now like almost the, the 101. You know, starting with just what eris and keli is. The next class would be What's Chesed? What's Gvura? Then the next level is what's the difference between Atzilus, Aaron Kelly of Chesed and Atzilus, and Aaron Kelly of Chesed and Bria, and what's the Chesed in Yitzira. So you see, there's a lot of levels here, but the basic principle begins first with knowing there's Aaron Kelly. They need to be aligned. Then there's the issue of, you know, in Chesed, it's, it's expressed through love. You can have, for example, your Chesed Aaron Kelly can be very well aligned, but your Chesed, but your Aaron Kelly Gvura are messed up. I mean, and and, what's that? and then it manifests in each world has its own so-called personality. So obviously, Atzilus is the most is the most aligned world, where Eris and Kalim Iu v'Chayu Ichad, I am Iu. He is one with his with his energies and one with his containers. Meaning, there's a full alignment going on. It's an aligned structure. Just one second. Let me just finish. So when we say the word Sfira, Sfira, as we explained at length, means both Eris and Kalim. So there's Sfira and Eris, there's Sfira and Kalim. And it's ultimately a combination of both of them. But the big part of the discussion was, what does the sphere, sphere do? Does it reveal the structure? Or does it reveal even beyond the structure? And that's where it goes into the whole discussion of the different meanings in spheres, whether it's uh, misper. In number, for example, the more focus is on the kalim, on the, on let's say, how many letters are on the page. 
But if you ask somebody the content of the page, they won't tell you. I don't even know how many letters. I just can tell you the idea that's on the page. That's more of a ir, so to speak. Then there's spheres uh, as they are more story. They tell a story. In a story, the focus is more a little more on air than on Kaylee. When I tell you a story, it's not so much the words I use, it's the message of the story. And then, of course, there's the, where we're up to now, Evan Sapir, which is the most, the highest level, where the Kaylee is complete transparent channel for the iris. It's like when you're reading a book, you don't even notice the words. You're so immersed in the idea, you don't even realize you're turning pages, for that matter. So all that is... is, uh, is uh, now, in Evan Sapir, where we are now, he's discussing... He began Evan Sapir to explain Evan Sapir. He went into the difference between Kreches and Levushim. So faculties and garments. So faculties are transparent in essentially they are attached and revealers of the soul. Our faculties, whether it's Chochmah, Bina, Chesed, and so on. Then you have Levushim, which already are garments that you put onto the garments, so to speak. Meaning that with, with garments you put onto the body and into your faculties. That's already Machshav, Adibur, or Actual physical garments, which are concealers. So in a healthy structure, we need garments too, because garments are already, for example, if the letters on the page are kalim, and the ideas are the eris, you know what garments are? Examples that the, that the teacher, that I'm giving you right now, that go beyond what it says here. An example that's used is already an example coming from outside the air and keli, but it's helping you understand through the keli, the air. Some people, you just give them the killing there, it's not enough. You need, you need to go one step further. You need to give them an example. And sometimes an example from a completely foreign entity than what you're discussing, because they're not, they don't know what spirituality is yet. So you have to give an example from something they relate to. And, some, and, and as we said, Levushim can take on the shape even of parsois, curtains. And curtains are disorganized letters, like a riddle, and metaphors, where the letters are not even in an organized way. But their also goal is to reveal. And then comes the parsas, which will begin to real, become real concealers. The difference between the parsas before Atsilas, the first interpretation, how Lovin is higher than Atsilas. And the parsa there, the curtain is to bring the bleak vul of Kesser into the vul of uh, Atsilas. And then there's the parsa after Atsilas. That already is a concealer that actually begins creating an independent entity that can feel that it's on its own. And Lovin's goal, intention is to put as many garments as possible so there should be no flow. Basically disconnecting the student from the teacher. You know, it's my domain, I don't want you to be here. Essentially it's no bittle, not wanting to have anything that's divine. It would be a person, let's say, I'm trying to read your story from the book and this person is trying to make sure you don't get the message. So they'll make sure to put all kinds of blocks and all kinds of distortions to stop the flow from happening. So blocking any type of awakening or any type of visayras, any type of feeling, like you said, blocking the ability to do tshuva even. Lovin is the main enemy against Balad Shuvah. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah, but that's already the additional. And the, so to speak, the battle between Yaakov and Lovin is Yaakov wants to have a flow and wants to bring levels of energy that are coming not only from the Gvul, he wants you to reveal even the deepest, deepest levels of the Gvul. But he also does it through channeling it. That's the point of Nekudah Malchus. He takes Malchus, which is just a point, like the moon as it begins, develops it into a Matseva, the stone into a marker, into a pillar, and then that pillar becomes Yil Abesalakim will be something that will reveal the Bligvul, which we're going to be discussing. And Lavan is interested in stopping that flow. So really we're talking about is, as I've said many times, almost like four steps when you go from the bottom up. We start in a concealed world, in a world that's dominated by Lavan. We don't see too much. We live in an agnostic universe 
and very easy to deny there's anything more than what's here and now. You know, instant gratification. I'm starting very basic. But there's a sense in every person there's more. You know, I'm not going to get into the how we get there or not. But let's for argument's sake, you climb the ladder and you realize there's something inside these garments here. This isn't just, you know, this isn't just a, uh, the material world is just a surface level. And you realize, okay, these are very thick veils. And you try to pierce the doors of perception. And you go and realize there's something behind. This is basically climbing from Asiya to Yitzhira to Bria. And uh, you can, then you realize not only there's something behind, but what's behind the door is even more important than what's on this side. What we see is just pure surface. It's literally the tip of the iceberg. Not even that. So then you move out your way forward. You move your way inner, inward, so to speak. And you continue to pierce the layers. This is mamat lamayla. So that's the way we work. You come to realize that there's not only levushim, there's also kalim. So you realize, and it's like, think of it like this. It may be a good example. You walk in the forest. You can see a big lot of overgrowth. Thorns, bushes, weeds. You know, the whole works. You start clearing away, and you, say, you see a stone there. You look at the stone, it's covered with moss. You start clearing off the moss, and you see there's letters. Ah, one second, there's letters. Now you start clearing even more, and you see there's words. And there's a message for you. It's a perfect example of a person going from darkness to... So what you got, the Levushim closed the whole thing off. You didn't even know there was anything there. Then you finally saw letters, Kalim. Then the Kalim tell you there's a story, there's, there's words, and the words tell you there's a, a message. So what's, So anyway, so then there's the words, and the words tell you a message. Now, what's the message they tell you? They can just tell you a simple message that there's a God in this world, or that you have a soul, or there's a higher purpose. So it says, they, first they tell you there's a message. That's like the Makuda of Malchus. So first the thing that tells you there's more. What's more? First it tells you there's more Gvul. There's not only, what you're seeing is not just Malchus, there's also Yusad, there's Netzach, Hoid, Netzach, Teferes, Gvurin, Chesed, all the way Chachma Bina. Okay. Does that stop? No. Then the story, we said Sipur, tells you that there is a, a source for that. There's unconscious. There's Bligvul. And the Bligvul, of course, tells you many more things. That God is not, the artist is not, the, is not defined. The one who put the stone here with the letters and the message has more messages that are not on this stone. So all this was concealed and you're working your way all the way to the Bligvul part. And... Um, and, that, and then you come to realize that the whole thing, the whole existence is just really a transparent channel to reveal to you. The, first of all, the powers of Gvul of Elikus, and then the powers of Bligvul, and even beyond. That's just an example of like Levushim, Kalim, Eris, and then an Eris itself as it climbs upward. What we're discussing now is Yaakov basically first taking the stone, a raw stone. Well, actually, it was several stones that were arguing, and they finally become one. So that's like the world of period. You know, many different stones. He didn't talk so much about that yet. We will talk about it. Then he turned the stones into one. They turned into one. Then that one stone he rested on, and then afterwards he made it into Matseva, a pillar. So that signifies that Malchus is starting to be lifted up from its fallen state, which is its darker state. Lack of awareness and so on, that we discussed, like Golis. And then that pillar will in turn become ultimately an Evan Sapir illuminating stone, not just a, a pillar. That pillar will become a pillar, a, a stone that will be part of the Beis Amigdash and will reveal Bligvul. That's 
in, in, in a certain way of explaining where we're at right now. And now he's, where we're now, he's moving from not just HaKamas HaMalchus, not just the beginning of taking Malchus to the next level, but, but, but you'll see how Malchus connects with the higher spheres. So if you really talk about it, the spheres and all these things that are discussed here is really like, if you think about it, it's like cryptic code language. Someone reads this, they won't necessarily come to what I just said. But this is a model. This is a formula of how to grow. Simple as that. And you have to know that every second. There's no, the Rebbe Rashab did not spend even five minutes, let alone how many thousands of hours he must have spent writing this. He wrote every word here to just to, to, to talk about esoteric elements. He's giving us a blueprint of how to grow. And he's writing it for people like us. He wasn't just writing it for the biggest chassidim. That, you know, we learn it. But it's written in a language that unless you're told this is your story, your life, it becomes, you know, cryptic. It becomes a, a purish, maybe an explanation of the Pusik. It's a beautiful explanation. But it all comes down to the relevance to our personal lives. So that's why from time to time we have to just ground things into uh, what does it mean and how do you turn it into a model. And, 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 it's, and it's quite clear, actually, when you think about it. So the word sphere, don't be, you know, we use sphere so much that it's almost meaningless. Like any word. You know, what, is, what does sphere mean? But when you start thinking sphere, one second, sphere is illuminating. Sphere is a story. Sphere is a, a number. It takes on a different meaning. It's not just some, some sphere. Now, ask most people, what are S's spheres? Right away, you know, right away, you either go into that like automatic pilot mode, S's spheres, oh, those are the chesed, the chachma binadas, chesed, people know by heart the ten spheres. Or you know what some people call building blocks, DNA. They're all correct. But we're talking about what does it mean to you, spheres? You know what spheres are? Ten levels in your life. Ten faculties right now working in yourself, right now, 24-7, these ten spheres are at work in you. Whether you're aware of it or not is another story. Because the spheres can be buried, like you look in, you look in Tanya, he says, the Yud sphere is in Pedagvov. Read Pedagvov the Haggad now after this class. You'll see how powerful it is. He writes there how the spheres go into Klippas. So he says, even in the deepest Klippa, you have the ten spheres that are, in it are the ten spheres of Yitzira, and there they're the ten spheres of Bria, and there are the ten spheres of Atsilis, and it's all concealed in the Klippa. So right now, when you're touching something, you don't even know. You're, all you're doing is touching the surface. But think of like I gave the example with the forest and the moss and the stone. In anything you do, there's all these spheres and all the worlds. They're all there right there in front of you, ready for you to release them. All the way to Ak and Lifniat Simpson. All the way. Everything is right there every second in everything you do. And, and that, that's why the move you make is not just, you ask me what, what it means to put on film at once. You know what it means? It means to connect everything from this lowest of worlds all the way to Atmos. I think that's a pretty big achievement. How many people do that you know, in their lifetimes, let alone in a second? You do a mitzvah, you're basically like creating a, you're closing a circuit. It's like electricity floats. It goes all the way from, back, from top to bottom. What is it called when you, you know, when you switch on the switch? You open the circuit. Is it closed? It's, it's like, you know, what is, what, what is a switch? A switch is, closes the circuit, and then allows the flow to continue. So it ripples through all of existence. Now, we may not see it, but that's why you have all these stories of tzaddikim. They looked at someone who brought an esrug, and they saw how much passion he had, and, they, and the Baal would start dancing. That one little act, he realized what it was doing. Because you see, you, could, you see the whole flow of energy. So it's not just some it's like a, a miraculous story. It's the story of energy, as opposed to... Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. They're more subtle in Neuer. He spoke at length about this, but there's Sphiris in Neuer also. Anyway, 
I, I still want to say one or two more things, but but no 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 but no no. And now I'm ready to, to go ahead. Huh? That's why we started the whole discussion with some principle and because of the areas. Of course, yeah yeah yeah. Everybody might know this, but I just want to be sure. The 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 orbits of, of one level are 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 of, of, of higher levels. Why, I, I didn't say that. Why do you have to say no, that? No, I, you didn't say that. But I thought that was something that I that was the case. You know, that everybody, it seems like that to me. There's an aspect of that's correct, an aspect that's not correct. You're getting now into understanding the deeper meaning of Er and Kali. But, but I said, for example, here, the letters on this page are Kalim. The Eris are the ideas. So here it wouldn't work. How would you make the letters into Eris? Because the ideas, the ideas you're talking about are Kalim versus essential motivating Okay, if you if you want to go that, then then that's fine, that's fine. But then, but then remember this. this. But but how does that change anything? See, so you're going back to being academic. You tell me the relevance of that in our lives. Well, by knowing what you just said, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. He's saying essentially that even the areas on this page, you go to a deeper person, and he'll see that as also as Kalin. Fine. And how does that help? So how does that help us? Because, that, because, because it, 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 if you refine the path more and more and more, you, you, okay, you, it's a jump off. Like first when you gave the mushroom. I got it good. I, I very good. No problem. So then I totally accept what you're saying. That's correct. But you have to remember it does the plot thickens because there comes a point that you need that the question is where what gives kalim any substance? At some point, do kalim and air meet that the kalim becomes the air? That's the question. The answer is no and yes. In other words, all the way, when you root it all the way up, yes, it's true, relatively speaking, for one person the words here is air, for another person these words are kalim. Or in other words, the ideas rather. The ideas here are eris, and another person is kalim. But when you go all the way up, there is a place that kalim and eris are two different uh, paths, even in the most subtle form. In other words, let's put it this way, if you go in atzmus, it'll be the power to conceal, the power to reveal, or maybe the power to express and shape, and the power to express in shapelessness. You understand? There's a lot of... One is maybe... The, for example, Oyer has the power that expresses you the, the message, the, the spirit of the messenger, of the teacher. And Kalim gives you the, 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 the purpose of the, message, of, the, of the messenger. Of the... I'm sorry, the, the source. So you need both. So my point is it's correct what you're saying. There is that element. But for all practical purposes, when you say keli of chesed and an air of chesed, you're not saying that the keli of chesed becomes an air on a different level. You could say that the, the airs of, of, of Bria are like kalim for Atzillus. In that sense, you could say it. But it's not so simple because sometimes it says the kalim of Bria come from the kalim of Atzillus, not from the air. If you want to go to all cities, you're going to find many of different contradictions that you're going to have to reconcile. You're just mentioning the ones you know. I'll mention another five. So, and I'm saying if you want to reconcile... It's It's relative and not relative. That's what I'm trying to say. Because the bottom line is, for example, I'll give you an example where it's not relative. In the Beis HaMikdash, you can have all the intentions in the world. If you don't do the act... It's, it's, you don't have the kalim. It doesn't matter what level you're on. You have to have the physical kalim. When they brought an offering on a mizbeach, it wasn't enough to think about a mizbeach. You needed a mizbeach. We have a beis amigdash today, ruchnis. You need a physical beis amigdash. So you see there, a kalim is not a relative thing. If it's not here physically, there's, la- there's something lacking. 
That's why I'm resisting just making this. But on the other hand, there is something to say that kalim of a lower level, the iris of a, of, a, of a lower level are kalim on a higher. I'm just distinguishing there's two. You, f- you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Exactly. You're saying about a different function. Like you said, unbelievable. Yeah, but there is an element of that because when you climb higher, a keli is ultimately a form of energy as well, but it's a containing form of energy. In other words, let's put it this way. It's like, remember we talked about the igolim, that all the igolim are connected to the first eagle? All the kalim are connected to the, to the higher kalim. Then there's an element how a keli is more air. You're really breaking down keli. What you're talking about is more the air in the keli. What I'm talking about is more the keli in the keli. If you know what I'm trying to say. There's two, uh, two different aspects to it. Um, okay, I wanted to... This whole discussion started over here. In the whole discussion began in the first question that he hasn't answered. How are there spheres in Bligvo? Yeah. In Makifim. Yeah. Yeah. Not in Eir. No, 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 no. Eir was answered already. In Eir is Hamakifim. No, it's a different uh, thing. Eir explained. He's asking now on the Eir Bligvo there's spheres. In your summation, you said there two more things you wanted to add. I wanted to say something in regard to what someone was asked earlier about more how Lovin and Yaakov work. I spoke how it is mamatlamail, you know, from the bottom up. Yaakov, however, is not doing it from the bottom up, he's doing it from the top down. As we, we learned. If you remember, in the last chapter, he said something like that. What did he say? Huh? Now, what did he say? He said exactly this question. I'm sure You remember this for it? That he said it's mamat lamayla or mayla lamata? Right. Right, exactly, thank you. Right. Because he asked the question. Yaakov starts with the Birudim of Love and that Kachmabin, and then he comes to the Birudim lower of Esav. Right? Even though the Birudim of begin lower, and the love will be the higher ones, he says, Okay. That one line is a critical line that answers your question somewhat. Not answers, I mean, so, so here's the story. This is very, very important in general. I want to connect everything I just said now to Chumash, to the story in Torah. The Mutla Rebbe says something really powerful in Teirah Shaim, several places in the Sefer Bereshis. If you look at Teirah, there's one key difference between the first Sefer and the other four. The most obvious is the time period. The first Sefer Bereshis covers almost 2,000 years. Till the time Yaakov and his children pass away, and then starts Golos Mitzrayim, which is approximately the year 2000. Avraham Avinu was born 1948. It's a little more than 2,100 probably. Okay, 2,100 years, the first Sefer. The next four farm cover 40 years. I'm not talking about the Golas itself. The Golas is 210 years, which is also relatively 210 compared to 2100. 
But from Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, which is Pasha Boy, Shmoy's Ve'er is the Golis Mitzrayim. Okay, fine. So let's say that's 210 years. Boy, which is also two chapters, the whole Golis. But after Boy, middle of Boy, when they leave Mitzrayim, till the end of Vazay Sabracha, that we read on some Torah, is 40 years. So that's a pretty interesting disproportion here. Right? <clears throat> so the Mitzvah Rebbe Adras asks this question and answers it with a very fascinating way. And it's only understood up Ixidus, of course, because... It's not 210 years. That was, that was in Vayichir, but it's from 80, from when Moshe was born. Okay, so even less. Okay, right. So even better. Right. So 80 years old, which would be... Uh, so it's 80 years. 80 years, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could say the first few psukim maybe... Uh, you don't really have entirely... The, down the names of them. No, no but I'm talking about the beginning when he plots to, to this, till Moshe is born. There's a lot of years right there. Why are you saying no, months? no, no, no. They came down until Moshe is born is 130 years. No, but, but uh, she was, I'm not talking about the first passage. Then it says that Pari said, let's enslave them. Yeah. From that enslavement until Moshe is born is 130 years. That's what I'm telling you. So 130 years is covered in just a few verses, basically. Maybe. Um, okay, fine. That's more being technical. But the point of the being is that most of the time, so, so the Ramatla Rebbe says something, it's, it's brilliant. It's so, it's so uh, when you hear it, you, you, it's like, it makes total sense. He says, the main Torah begins, obviously, with Yisrael Mitzrayim and Matan Torah. Because that's when we become a nation. Then we, and, and actually, that's when we get the mandate of what to do with our lives. Build a Mishkan. Shkanti B'Seh. Our mission, so to speak. However, nobody comes unarmed. You have to come in with all the power. So Bereshis, Sefer Bereshis, is as its name implies, Bereshis, it's a Genesis. He calls it Sefer Hayosha, the Gemara calls it. The story of Avram Yitzchik Yankov, they're the ones, they are like the ancestors that gave us the power to do the Aveda that begins after Yitzchik Mitzrayim. So the Bereshis only talks about the powers that we need to get. It doesn't, it's not here to tell us what happened all those 2,000 years. It's not relevant to our lives. So much happened. What's only told to us, are like the, he puts it like this, it's like the blueprint for the other four books. It's, the, it's like the Chinuch. So it's like going to school. So Avram is Chesed, and Yitzchak is Gvura, and Yaakov is Teferes. It's, it's laying out all the powers that we will have. That's why Maisa'ov is similar Bonim. Which of course explains another fundamental question. Why was the Torah not given to other Machav? In a formal way. Even though we know they kept the Torah before it was fulfilled and all that. Why not just give? If the, we read the Chum, Rashi says, Bereish is Bishril Yisrael, Bishril HaTorah. God created the world for the Torah. Why does he wait... 2,200 years till that happens. 26 generations. The general answer for it is because it was like this. It's like, why, why are we not Bar Mitzvah when we're born? We don't become, you don't become committed, uh, obligated until you're mature enough. You need first chinuch. You're trained. So by the time you're ready, it's like training before you go to war. Then the war begins. Where does the war begin in the book of Shemais? That's where the life really begins. And before that is like a state of chinuch. Basically, even halachically, Rabbi Yosef Engel and others, right, when they talk about what's the category of the Ovis before Matan Teirah, many of them say it's like the category of a cotton before Bar Mitzvah. And we're talking about obligation-wise. We're not talking about the spiritual status. Obviously, Avram Yitzchak for a high level. But that was their, their souls were on a high level. We're talking about their category. Some even call them categorically, they could even be considered B'nai Neyach. Because what you know, because that's why the Jews had to go through a mikveh through Geras. All the laws of conversion is Matan Torah. But what's the point? Because Matan Torah is essentially a new status. 
So there's discussions on Nigla and the Rebbe brings about it. You know what, what mitzvahs they were obligated to do. But spiritually speaking, their role was primarily laying the ground. It's almost like the pioneers that paved the way. Like when Yaakov says, why do they have to go down to Mitzrayim and all these things? It was like giving the Kayach. So with that, you really understand a few words that he said here before Naim Beis. If you remember, he said, Yaakov began the Hamshach of Matan Tera. Look at the end of Vayetze. Remember? He says, Yisrael, Moshe finished it. But that's also, if you learn Basilagani, what's the story of Basilagani? When we learn Basilagani, seven generations. Avram brought the Shekhinah down to the sixth heaven. After seven generations, after the Chetet Sadas, this is essentially the story of before Matan Tara. The Chetet Sadas, as I mentioned, pierced the, pierced the, um, uh, pierced the, the Kalim. It created a split. So it says the Shekhinah, which was down below. We learned this before, how in the beginning of creation, it was all connected. Everything was was united. Then, the first sin left the Shekhinah, so there was like a, the, 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 it's called the dissonance began. The birth of dissonance. Okay? Then comes generation two, up, 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 up. Until the day before Avram, it says, all the way in the, it's the farthest distance. Then Avram brings it down, one, Yitzchok, Yaakov, seven generations, Moshe, the Kiel Oretz, Shachanti Besechem. The way it was, So what's the role of the Ovis till Moshe? is giving us the Kayach, Ruchnius, because they didn't bring it down to earth. Only Mitzvah's Mila was a physical Mitzvah. So they were spiritual. Basically, think of the, the, the Ovis and the work in Sefer Breshis as being the pregnancy and the Chinuch of the child, of Kal Yisrael. The pregnancy, we learn Kala Kula. The Ovis did Kala Kula. But it's not, you can't say how we learn the whole Torah in your mother's womb is you don't have to make Birchus on it and it's not in the category of Mitzvah Slim and Because it's more, it's more, it's more the empowering. So everything the Ovis did, Ramban writes, the Ramban writes, everything they did was in order to pave the way. It's like a father paves the way and then can gives the company to the children who can really take it to the next level. So the Kavana is, Matan Torah brings it down to earth and the real work begins. But the Ovis was, a, that's basically, I mean, if you think, it's, it's an unbelievable take on Bereshis and the Ovis. It just gives you a good picture of the Torah in, a, in another way. And then, of course, starts the real work after Golis, where we are today, which has taken all of that. So when you look at the Ovis, every story that happened with them was really a paving of the way. It's a taste of what would come later, but not the full thing. Like Chinuch, like little Chinuch. You teach your child Negelvasa, you teach your child Nesemoidan, you teach your child manners. What you're doing is, you're setting the stone that when he's ready and he's mature enough, he already has, you know, you wouldn't, if you start Chinuch at 13, you're going to have maybe a person who's, a, who's, who's adult, but he's going to be completely immature, he's going to be completely undisciplined. He won't, that's why Mitzvah's Chinuch is so much discussion. Without Chinuch, you can't have the rest, but Chinuch itself is still only a training period. And of course, you all know the Sifri that Rebbe brings about what's the word there, um, Mitzuyonim. Huh? That today, all the mitzvahs are like chinuch. There's, there's opinion that every mitzvah we do today is only a chinuch for what will come in the future. Right, in Naked, in Vorim, yeah. And all the mitzvahs we do, we shouldn't forget. Right, right. So it's a training. But don't ever take away. Without the training, a soldier can't fight a war. So, so. it's like what the Tzamech Tzadik said about Mashiach. Aha. Aha. Talk about it now. So then when, when it's told to you, it's not like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Hmm. So you open your eyes, you realize, I, yeah, this was always there, I just was, I wasn't aware. That's why the Ramah praised the, uh, the, 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 
guys. Yeah. A- anyway, <laughs> anyway. So I'm gonna just go back now. So if you go back to the end of the Mimer, that's I'm sorry, to the end of the first beginning, Evan Azais. So Yaakov's work with this with a sheep of Lavan. I'm not going down to Avram Yitzchok. That's the discussion in the previous chapters. Yaakov's work is all paving the way for Aravada today. So what is? So here's how it works. Yeah, but, okay, but he says here it's talking more, more Yitzchia from Tainug and from Levin Elyon. So here's how it works. God created the world. He did it with a whole elaborate uh, method because as we've discussed many times, not that he needed it for it to be a structured existence, for it to be an existence that we can re- understand God's process and we can emulate it and reconnect and retrace the steps so there's a whole order. And even it's, it's hinted in the Pesukim. Then is like the Kav. You have Toyu. Everything is there. The world covered in darkness. Then begins a pro- That's the way God put into motion existence the first time. So the Eitz Chaim says, it's a question you may have seen this. The Eitz Chaim says, isn't the whole existence dependent on us? On our work, so it says the first time was halos man mineyobei. You ever hear that expression? Halos man means the effort from below. But how did that happen before creation? There was no one. There was no one below. Those who awakened. We say every Rosh Hashanah we have to awaken God's desire to want creation. Who awakened it the first time? So it says he awakened it within himself. Some right that this is called halos man. In other words, the first time it was like. It was like the Nekeva within the Zachar itself. You understand that type of thing. Uh, sometimes it says, but, but remember, even the Benim Nimlach is also God initiates. So there's no, there's no real, there's no Tzaddik hanging around there. It's all, it's God's envisioning the Tzaddikim that will come. So the bottom line is, that's in the Sava Kodesh Baruch that God desired, Tachtenim. So this is a desire that's all the way rooted in Atzmas. And then, there's a, and then the Yitzchayim says, uh, it says, Avatai V'Zhtok in Kasha. Let me just say one thing. What you just said is the classic, not to, not to suggest you're this way, the classic arrogant statement of a yesh. Like you're, you're assuming explanation is necessary. So it's not explained. Who's, he created explanation. The one who created explanation doesn't need an explanation. You understand? Explanation itself is a creation. So you're saying it's not explained, right. You're saying... In other words, he did it, but he didn't do it perfectly because he didn't really explain himself. No, One second. That's how we all see it. No, I'm not saying this to create. I'm just saying that was just, I wanted to point out a good example how we our language is wrong. We don't think the straight way. We have to think the other way around. Who said explanation is needed? He created explanation. Why did he create explanations is really the question. That there's no explanation. Well, he wants us to understand. I once wrote an article. Is logic logical? Who decided? Who, who, someone has to make logic logical. Just because one, we, we, we're, the yes thinks we are it. So you think, if it's, if it's logical, then, I, then it makes sense to me. If it's not, it's not for me. Who decided that logic is logical? That's where, that's, that's... Um, so there are more paradoxes in the Well, there's no paradox at the end of the day. There's no real paradox there. When we're at peace with that, we're fine. Listen, that's why we're married and, uh, and marriage and the real life teaches you that paradoxes are normal. Ultimately, in Hussein, <laughs> ultimately you don't know about that yet. There's no. Uh, <laughs> I still like the words. The words sound good, right? You like, like, like Velvet Green said, I like to hang around the paratroopers, right? You know that one? <laughs> you never heard that one? And he spoke for the Kinnis Oh, brilliant. He says, I'm not a Shliya, but there's the story with the paratrooper. The guy trains to be a paratrooper, so he goes up there, and they're jumping, and he's looking. You know, you, you, you observe and see how you, how you first you load, and how you do it, the method. 
Finally comes his turn after a month of training. And he, okay, he's all proud, he's going, he's walking, gives one look down. Oh no, I'm not jumping. You know, it's pretty scary. Okay, we understand this. We have always, there's also, the, your type also comes around another month. Fine, another month of training. Okay, this time he's really ready. He goes, no, he's not jumping. You know, I'm down this, uh, making a long story short. So the, 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 the commander says, listen, Yankel, this isn't for you. You should go down to, down to earth and find yourself another position in the military. There's plenty of administrator positions. This, you know, you need to have a tough heart here. To, you know, you need to be tough. So he says, no, I want to be here. He says, why? He says, because I'm never going to jump, but I like hanging around people who jump. So Velvet Green says, he's never going to be a shliach, but he likes to be around them. You know. <laughs> I didn't mean you, but uh, that's... Yeah. So the point, so I want to just say, so, so what he says before about Yaakov and Lovin goes like this. So the first time God did it all, he created the Tzimtzum and the Kav, and the uh, Ak, Akudim, Nekudim, Vrudim, Tayu, Tikkun, everything is set in motion by divine, by the divine code. Okay, let's put it this way, the source code. Coming all the way from the, from the root, from the source. But then he says, Achla, Achla is after the beginning, Halos, Mamineya Bey, Amilsa Tole, what's the Lashon there? Amilsa, the thing is Tole now in you. That's the Zohar. Istaku Baraisa Baraalma. God looked into the Teda and created the world. Then he gave us the Teda and says, Yisrael, Istaku Bateda Baraisa Bekayim Alma. And we look in the Teda and we sustain the world. So yes, there's always going to be a minimal amount of energy that's going to sustain existence, which is the question that's asked that we learned earlier too. Rosh Hashanah, what happens if we don't do Ayurveda? Will the world stop being? So it says no, but it will be like a sleep. It will have the minimal energy. It will be like, think of uh, the minimal code entering existence just to keep it alive. Right. Like it's like we're asleep. What, the, what we... Do we know exactly what it is? That's what it says. But remember, you have to take accumulatively all the Aveda that's been for thousands of years. So it's already not asleep for that reason. There were enough people. Even if you and yeah, yeah, but you can't depend on them because you got to do your work. So, so bottom line, when the Rebbe says, for example, the Geula is here, it could be here. But if you're if you're asleep, let's say the Geula comes, the Geula is right now this morning, 10 a.m. is announced, but you're asleep, and your wife forgot to wake you up, and everybody goes to you wake up, and there's no one around except Caribbeans. Or whatever. What are you going to do? You can ask around. What happened? Let's say, I don't know, but everybody left. I'm just giving you an example. Now let's think of it spiritually. Let's say you're awake physically, but you're spiritually asleep. Which fr- frankly is, fr- is, is much more, more likely than physically being. Physically you could be up, but you could be spiritually asleep. The Rebbe said then, the Rebbe told, wrote to Zalm Gerari, some people sleep with their eyes closed at my Fabringens, and most with their eyes open. The Rebbe said I understand. Listen, you're not off the hook until you're one of those Jews that doesn't go out and get up, climb up on the Empire State Building or the Brooklyn Bridge and announce that the time is now. Doctor, you're asleep. Okay? <laughs> okay, so the point... No, but that's, that's what it is. I mean, let, let, let's, let's not kid ourselves. You test kids tomorrow. So we learn in Tanya... That the says, Mahava, Machayim, Machayim, every second. Right now, this table, you and I are being renewed from as new. We all know we don't feel it. We all know that we're confident that we're going to be in a second from now existent too, even if God chooses not to uh, will it. But we understand it. You know, this. It makes a lot more sense that the energy is being renewed. But we don't feel it. 
But we're told that's how it is. And the more you learn it, the more it becomes something that at least cognitively you can relate to. But the fact that you can cry, at least to know I don't feel it, is also a pretty good madreg. Because most people don't even, doesn't bother them. The whole thing is just a, a theory. At best. They don't know. Right. So the point is, the point is that we that we have to be aware at least of this thing. So of course, if you don't see that if you don't see the minimal chayes that's giving life to existence, you're going to see the gula. You know, that's how pretty how how. Now I'm not saying this to depress ourselves. It's on the contrary. Have the cure is knowing the problem. The problem is that we're not awake, and that's it. Let's not kid ourselves. Don't 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 call yourself awake. You're not awake. Well, you know, we 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 hear that we're not awake at least. Now the question is, how do you wake yourself up? That's why. I, and that's why, I, and not that I, I challenge, but every, anytime someone tells me, it's, okay, it's just going to happen, to me, it disturbs me greatly, because it means you, you think you're awake. You decide you're awake, and the only problem is someone else. Maybe you've got to tell yourself, you're not so awake as you think you are. You're not so aware and conscious as, just because we heard the Rebbe speak. So what? I heard the Rebbe speak. It doesn't mean that suddenly, I believe the Rebbe, but it's not like I suddenly see the Chayas everywhere. The Rebbe Rashab in Teresh Shalom, by the way, by Fabrengen, and he's talking about this idea of seeing a Lakus. And he was so, clearly the Rebbe was such besaders, he said, bring me a plate and I'll show you the Dvar Hashem in it. Yeah? The Rebbe said, the Rebbe Rashab said that. So they brought him a plate, and a second before he said, no, he's not going to do it. He says, because you, right. Exactly how I felt. <laughs> and you know, so I wonder, why didn't he do it? First of all, what was the consideration? Then he said, he's afraid it's gonna be, you're going to be Megashemit. That's what he said. The experience. In other words, you won't really get it. You'll, 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 you'll think it's some magic trick or something. Like, you know, okay, you'll see like, whatever. You know, you, you have to be, it's not like he could show it to you. Either you're ready or you're not. That's the point. You can't force someone to see Elakus. I could force you to see see behind what's behind the closed door, but I can't, Elakus, either you, I mean, I assume that's what he meant. So my question is, what's the Havamina? Why did he think that it could be possible? So either it was because the Rebbe had Rahmanis and he felt, you know, maybe he can lift everybody to that level. And then he gave a look at everyone and saw that maybe it's not so simple. The problem is not the plate. I can't find the you. Then I could be... My <laughs> that's, that, that's the part. The plate, the, plate is, the plate is fine. I can reveal it in the plate. But then maybe he opened his eyes and said... It's like Yoda. He's afraid of embarrassing there because he can arouse it in the plate, but maybe he can't do arouse it in his consider. Exactly. It's like Yona running away from. No, no, that that's a very that that I think that's the reason because the plate has no pchira. You guys have pchira. The plate is, is just a plate. It's it's in Tereshalim. It's amazing. You read that piece. I also first time I read it, I said, Wow, what's what happened next? Too bad. Okay, but then I realized that the fact that that's printed and that too tells you something. You got to do what you got to do.